this may prove to be one of the more interesting episodes than I do. Because I'm not really sure exactly what a singular topic would be for it. My name is Phil, and you're listening to The Lip. Hi everyone, it's Phil, your host of The Lip. And one more time, I'm coming back at you. And this day, I'm actually recording the episode the week that it's going to come out. doesn't happen all the time. But this week just so happens to be that kind of week. No stacking up of episodes to get to this point. I'm recording today. It's Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. And the episode will be coming out on Saturday, November. Oh, not November. <laughs> New month. New month altogether. December 2nd is when this episode's going to come out. That just may well be the title of the episode. Just to be different. I think that could be what I'm going to go with. In fact, I think it will. This will be the episode that will simply come out on December 12th. That's the name of the episode now. Okay, I'm cool with that. But I'm also extremely happy the fact that Last week, I was talking about the 49ers game against the Seahawks, and that game happened before the episode came out, and I am pleased to say the 49ers roasted up those Seahawks real nice, got a nice bunch of stuffing inside of them. I mean, all the good trimmings. They had a couple interceptions. They had a couple sacks on the quarterback. And they pretty much devoured the Seahawks. It's a great win. really was. Again, 30 points. Brock Purdy looked like the son of Joe Montana and Steve Young combined. He looks great. Even more exciting is the fact that this week is going to be a really cool week in sports for me personally. The simple fact that not only do the 49ers get to come to Philadelphia and play the Eagles in a what people would consider an NFC championship rematch from last year. And we're going to put that theory to the test that nobody can beat a healthy 49er team. Philadelphia is going to find something out about that. But at the same time, my boys in New Jersey, the Devils, are going to stop by and play the Flyers. And trust me, This would have been the time where if I had decided to think a little bit about what was going on, maybe I'd have gotten some tickets to a few more games. I mean, let's just face it. The Devils are coming to Philadelphia to hopefully roast up the Flyers, and the 49ers are going to go and finish their next meal of bird. Hopefully the Eagles will be chewed up and swallowed up just like the Seahawks were a week ago. And to make matters even more interesting, man, if I just had a StubHub account and a little extra cash laying around, I might be totally poor because earlier this week, uh, it turns out that the Lakers came with LeBron James to go see Mr. Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid sent him packing. Big time. 
the worst loss of LeBron James' career ever. A 44-point loss. The Sixers just took the Lakers to school. Make a long story short, boy, they turned the lake that the Lakers came from into a very dry bed, an empty canyon. They just ripped them apart. So sad for them. But you play long enough, eventually you're going to get beat really bad. Sorry, LeBron. That's just what happened. But now, as far as this episode that's coming up, I have some fun stuff that I want to talk about. Gonna put a spotlight on a person that I think should be elevated to a point where people should talk about him more in a sport that is dominated by some serious, serious people. And I believe that the guy that I'm going to talk about may actually, potentially, could be in the GOAT conversation of his sport. See what you think about it. But truthfully, I think he could be there. Then I have a decision for some people to make. Some battle lines need to be crossed. And if they are, well... We're going to have some differences of opinion about that. Finally, I'm going to talk about a sad thing, but it's a sad first world thing. Nothing personal. It's just something that came up that I discovered maybe a few weeks ago. And boy, from my first world perspective, this one's a hurt piece. It really is for me. Hopefully you enjoy this show, but now I'm about to fill in the blanks. Well, it's time to fill in the blanks. Turns out that as I'm recording the 29th of November, yesterday on the 28th of November, it was supposed to snow. Got all kinds of warnings and such from the school district that the kids are going to. Kind of thought that maybe it was going to be almost like a snowpocalypse like they had with all that lake effect snow in those wonderful places like Cleveland and Buffalo and just feet and feet of snow from what I understood. One place had nearly four feet of snowfall. It's insane. Well... Turns out that the blank that didn't get filled was here in Philadelphia. We got like literally three or four specks of snow. I visually noticed approximately three flakes that were maybe three times the size of a pen head. <laughs> there was no snow. The blank without a doubt was the fact that, well... Where did the snow go? There was just a couple drops. Really, that was it. That's the blank that did not really get filled in, was where did the snow go? The bell is rung. The bell has rung. The main event time, folks. Main event time. Let's see how we're going to start this show. I think that I'm going to go here first. This is where I'm going to go. 
I said earlier that there was a conversation that should be had as far as the GOAT in a certain sport. Now, football people will talk quarterback and say Joe Montana and Tom Brady. As a Niners fan, I have to go Montana. Um, basketball people will always debate LeBron James and Michael Jordan. LeBron's played a thousand years. If you play that long, you're clearly going to score more points than anybody else. Sorry. It's just a shame that he couldn't have actually gotten more rings than, say, I don't know, even Michael Jordan, let's just say. But enough of that. The GOAT that I'm talking about is Muhammad Ali. Everybody definitively says he's the greatest of all time. In fact, in many polls of just athletes in general, forget just boxing, Muhammad Ali comes up at the very top of all sports as far as athletes go. But now, as far as his sport goes, I think there's a guy who could make a legitimate case to challenge him. And think of it as one of the best technical boxers who's ever been around. Now, I'm going to talk to you about this guy a little bit, and I'm just thinking about his career because I watched a documentary not that long ago about him a couple days ago, and I knew that I enjoyed watching this guy fight. And after seeing the documentary, there was a couple things that, I hadn't really thought about as far as his career went. And let's face it, when you cover all the bases that his career went, this guy could legitimately be in that GOAT conversation. And the person that I'm speaking about happens to be an individual who was born in Jamaica. Yeah, born in Jamaica. He moved, he, he lived in England, and then he moved to Canada. I am talking about Lennox Lewis. Let's just face it. Just the numbers alone make you think that this guy is a really impressive fighter. Okay? Let's just put it this way. He had 49 fights. He won 41 of them. 32 by knockout in the heavyweight division. So this guy obviously had some serious power. But you got to consider the fact that he did in fact win nine fights by decision. So he had endurance enough to go the distance and he pulled those wins out. Now granted, he also had one draw in his career. Now, the draw is one thing. And the draw was against a very interesting guy. Um, personally, think about him as you will. I honestly think that he's a little dirty. I'm sorry. Evander Holyfield is the guy he had the draw against. Now, he lost a couple fights in his career. And those two fights that he lost were very interesting because he lost two fights for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, think about this. If you have a career where you've won 41 fights and had one draw and two losses, 
and the draw was in a title match. And the two losses were world championship title losses. That means you, you, you lost to some pretty good guys, right? Okay. Oliver McCall defeated him and took the title from him. And he then got a match against him and was able to beat him later on. Not for the title. However, Hasim Rahman did, in fact, knock out Lennox Lewis and take the title. And Lennox Lewis had an opportunity to come back at him and return the favor, winning the title back in knockout form. Now, once again, like I said, Holyfield and him had a draw. And then they had another fight, which did, in fact, go the distance again. But this time, this time, Lennox Lewis won. The first one was a little controversial with that draw. Most people thought that Lennox Lewis won, including me. But he was able to make good on it in their next fight. So, back to my GOAT conversation. After Lennox Lewis lost, he won that fight. He then ended up beating Klitschko later on in his career. And the one thing that makes me go to that GOAT conversation, everybody loves Ali. But let's face it. Lennox Lewis, he is a technician. He is a knockout artist. He avenged all of his losses and ties. The draw, he avenged all of that. So he came back to those guys, and he set it straight in his favor. And last but not least, Lennox Lewis retired the undisputed champion. He was not beaten for the title. He retired as the champion. So all in all, he was at the very top when he walked away. Having said that, you got to kind of think about Lennox Lewis when it comes to that greatest of all time category in boxing. And like I said, I know it's a little blasphemous because people will always love Muhammad Ali. Don't get me wrong. I'm not old enough to have actually watched Muhammad Ali fight. I have the luxury of, like everybody now, I've YouTubed a bunch of his matches. The, the, the Thrilla in Manila, the Rumble in the Jungle, I watched both of those. My goodness, they were incredible fights. I'm not going to lie. They were. But when discussing the greatest fighters of all time, in all weight classes, I mean, you're going to put Mayweather, you're going to put Sugar Ray Leonard, you're going to put old Jack Johnson. Look him up. Woohoo! That's a blast in the past that most people wouldn't recognize. Rocky Marciano. Joe, uh, Joe Frazier, obviously, um, Big George, but Lennox Lewis is right there with those guys. And in fact, in many cases, he's passed them. Think about it. I'm not saying that you have to agree and say that Lennox Lewis is the greatest of all time, but you do have to give him a couple, a, a real hard look when you talk about that guy with, in that regard. Just me talking. I think it could very well be an option that people should explore. <laughs> now I'm going to talk about another very important subject. 
this is very divisive in my house, and I think that many people need to understand that this is a very sensitive subject that really needs to be broached, and people need to pay attention to it. This subject is Twix. Yes, I'm talking about the candy, Twix. I have a specific type of Twix that I will eat. My wife is on the other side of the fence, which is it's tough at times to have to try to endure the fact that she is um, that she likes these ones. She she doesn't really notice that she cares as much about it, but she'll just grab anything and she'll just eat whatever comes out. She has eaten on multiple occasions right Twix. Now, I'm not a fan of right Twix. I'm just not. I'm not. I have to have left Twix. Got to be left. I'm sorry. It's got to be left. People think that I'm crazy when I say this, but if I was crazy, they wouldn't have labeled them specifically different. Left and right. There is obviously some sort of noticeable difference. The right Twix, specifically in its creation, has smooth caramel flowed into onto crispy cookies and bathed in chocolate. Once again, the right Twix is smooth caramel flowed onto crispy cookies and bathed into onto um, with crispy chocolate on rather on chocolate. Now that's yeah, it's, it's all right. I prefer the left by far, which is a crunchy cookie cascaded in soft caramel, which is better than the regular caramel on the right Twix. And then, more interestingly enough, it's cloaked in milk chocolate. Now hear that. The crispy cookie on the left Twix is cascaded in soft caramel and cloaked in milk chocolate. Totally different process. Cloaking versus bathing. And I think that there's definitely a difference. I would strongly recommend that everybody would go towards the left Twix because that cloaking process is just, it's superior to just bathing. Flowing caramel is just, yeah, it's all right. But when you cascade it, it's just over the top. It's totally different. Makes your experience a hundred times better. And I recommend it for everyone to make sure that you go ahead and go for the left Twix. Now, if you are a fan of the right Twix, we're not going to be enemies. Don't worry. I'm probably not going to invite you over for a candy party because you're going to probably try to bring the right ones. And I try not to allow those in my house. But on a regular day, I mean, we could still talk and go to a barbecue and things like that. We could still be friends. It's just we need to keep it in mind that we're going to have to avoid the four major subjects, which are, of course, politics, religion, um, uh, well, it's three, politics, religion, and, of course, the difference between left and right Twix. We just won't be able to talk about those subjects. We just won't. Next thing I've got for you. Oh, this is a cool one. 
I was talking about this last week when I was going over the fact that the Survivor Series happened last week, which was pretty cool. It's a good event. It's my. It's always been, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, particularly WWE, um, the Survivor Series originally started off with team-based competition, which was really cool because the Royal Rumble, which happens in January, is a battle royal where everybody is for themselves to try to win the battle royal. Whereas the Survivor Series used to be team-based and you had partners to help you survive. You could be beaten, then you'd be eliminated, and the team would continue on until there was nobody on the other side. I used to love those Survivor Series matches. They were like my favorite ones. And it just so happens that, like I said, last week, as the episode went off last week, um, the 37th Survivor Series came on. Really big deal this year. Turns out that they had one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Randy Orton, who had back surgery and hadn't wrestled in like a year and a half. He came back and wrestled, and that was pretty fun to watch. Also, very controversial, CM Punk, who last time stepped into a WWE ring, had a promo or an interview that was so over the top and against the company that they actually cut his mic off in the middle of it to stop him from speaking then had some issues with the new company that he went with, AEW, ended up in a couple of situations with two different fights, and he ended up getting fired from there. And now he's back in WWE. Some people in the WWE locker room don't necessarily like him. Seth Rollins. And as a result of that, It would actually make a very good match for WrestleMania. I would very much like to see that. Live and in person in Philadelphia. But you don't know how it's going to play out. It could be cool. But I digress because the Survivor Series that I wanted to speak about wasn't the 37th Survivor Series that just took place in 2023 on November 25th of this year, what I wanted to talk about was Survivor Series 90, because this event was very cool, personally to me, and probably to most wrestling fans who are my age and a little older. They would appreciate this one as well. The reason being, for me, personally, why it was my favorite pay-per-view is the fact that it was the very first one that my mother ordered for me in the house. You see, usually I went over to my cousin's house and we would watch, I would watch it over there and I would keep the recording of the second showing because they used to show them twice back to back. They would show it live and then they would show it, um, afterwards. And I would always get the tape afterwards. I would record it and keep it myself. But this one, Survivor Series 90, was the very first one that I actually had at my house that my mom ordered because my cousins and my aunt went to their, um, my aunt went to her brother's house for Thanksgiving that year, 
And so my mother ordered it for me, and I recorded one for them. So it was sort of the reverse. <laughs> kind of worked out neat. But of course, this particular Survivor series featured something that essentially changed the world of wrestling forever. And boy, did it change the world of wrestling. Two of the coolest things that could possibly have happened. Number one, actually isn't very cool. It's probably the dumbest thing. They had this stupid egg that they hatched in the middle, at the end of the show, right before the main event. And there was this weird turkey creature that came out of it called the gobbledygooker. And my goodness, that thing certainly spoiled the appetite of anybody who wanted to watch wrestling. The dumbest thing in the world. They probably were showcasing this egg for weeks and they had it to the point where it had cracks in it when it got to the Survivor Series and it finally opened up at the Survivor Series. Dumbest thing ever. I recommend if you want to go check out the stupidest thing that ever happened in professional wrestling, what you need to do is go to the Royal Rumble, not the Royal Rumble, excuse me, Survivor Series 90, and check out the, the, the event that happens right before the Grand Match of Survival. Because that's when the egg pops open and this crazy thing comes out and it just, it's, it's just, I don't even understand why they did it. It's horrible. But, but, on that same show, in the second match of Survival, the most iconic wrestler of the last 35 years showed up for the very first time in WWE. The Million Dollar Team that the Million Dollar Man led. He fought against Dusty Rhodes' team of the Hart Foundation and Coco Beware. Now, the Million Dollar Man's team had these partners. He had the Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine and a mystery partner. And for weeks, the mystery partner made everybody go, ooh, who could it be? And most people expected it to be somebody from the locker room. Maybe somebody from WCW would show up and be like, whoa, how about that, right? It was somebody who came from WCW, all right? Somebody who had the persona formerly known as Mean Mark Calloway. But he wasn't Mean Mark anymore. No. He came to the ring with his manager, Brother Love, from Death Valley, weighing 320 pounds. The Million Dollar Man's mystery partner was The Undertaker. <laughs> That's the first time we got to see him come to the ring. And boy, it was a serious gimmick that nobody expected. And when you see somebody like that, especially in WWF slash E, you think to yourself, ah, maybe he'll be a Hogan opponent and he'll burn off in two years. No, not at all. 30 years later. He still kept coming back. He wrestled all that time, and then 
he would do that long WrestleMania streak where he won 21 matches at WrestleMania. Nobody's ever done it. And then he lost to, to of course, Brock Lesnar and, of all people, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. But then he still won against CM... Not, no, who was it? Um, he beat CM Punk in the streak. But he beat John Cena and... His last one was, um, was John Cena the last one or was AJ Styles? I think AJ Styles was the last one. He had a cinematic match against AJ Styles that he won. And it was 30 years in the making. And it all started with Survivor Series 1990, the first pay-per-view that I was able to get my mother to buy for me. One of the coolest things that has ever happened. Loved every second of it. Now, I'm going to go into one final piece of the show tonight. What I've got for you is, to me, it's a hurt piece. It is a first world hurt piece. I mentioned this several times before on other episodes where... I love having hard copies of movies. I just do. I own all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have the Expendables. I have. I can't even tell you how many hard copy movies that I have of past and present movies. Granted, you can stream all this stuff now on pretty much anything, right? However, when you look at the example that I'm about to bring up to you, you'll know why I prefer hard copies of everything that I really like. It's real simple. Uh, during D- Disney's uh, Spider-Man run, as I like to call it, they had Spider-Man No Way Home, and they rented it out to somebody else. I can't remember who it was. It was um, HBO or Netflix, one of I don't know who it was, but it was something that we didn't stream, a service that we didn't use. So... Spider-Man essentially would have been completely inaccessible to us because we didn't have that streaming service for whatever length of time it was before they brought it back. And they've only brought it back maybe a couple months now. Three months tops that Spider-Man has returned to the Disney uh, Plus so we can stream. Now, in that time, had I wanted to watch Spider-Man, it would have been problematic if I didn't have a hard copy and a way to play the hard copy on the Xbox X series, I would have just lost my mind. Now, this is why I like having hard copies because of this fact. Now, here comes the issue. Best Buy, one of the biggest electronic stores that is left in the country right now, has decided that this holiday season is going to be the last time that they're going to sell Blu-ray and DVDs, hard copies. They're not doing it anymore after this year. Sometime early in 2024, they're going to stop and you won't be able to buy a hard copy movie from Best Buy. Now, granted, if anybody knows anything about paying the, the, the extravagant, extravagant money 
that Best Buy would charge for these things. They usually are more expensive at Best Buy than they are anywhere else. But that's not the point. The fact that Best Buy has given up on hard copies is sort of like a domino effect to me. It's like they're the first one to do it and say, we're not going to sell them anymore at all. And of course, when you have that first domino fall, it's going to hit the next domino. And some other retail store, which of course, if you go into a, just throwing out a couple of names, a Target or a Walmart, and you look at the section for movies in general, you'll notice that in the last, I'm going to say, five years, it's gotten pretty, pretty thin. And then you look at 10 years before that, and it's like, starting to get there like it's like it, there's a, a hefty amount there but it seems like you could get older stuff and newer stuff at the same time about 10 years ago and then before that you could pretty much get anything you wanted but like i said 10 years ago all of a sudden it sort of got to the point where it was starting to lean out you're starting to see more of the new movies and a lot less of the old ones and then you look at uh, stores like fye which were pretty much all about the movies they have all but disappeared and in that those sort of stores man you could buy everything all the old stuff all the new stuff it was all there and then they disappeared and now like i said best buy has decided that 2024 is going to be it for them with the hard copies and again like i said it's a first world problem I will stream movies with the best of them, and don't get me wrong, there comes a point where you can only watch so many movies at so many times, yes, but I like to have the option and the ability to be able to say, hey, I want to watch X, and just go watch it, and I fear that there's going to be a point where I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to want to watch X, and then I'm going to go check out all the streaming services that we have. And either X is going to be only available to rent at or buy digitally. Or it's not going to be on the streaming service that I have. And that, to me, is going to be sad and problematic both. Okay. I think I'm heartbroken enough, and I'm going to put the main event to a close, and I'm going to ring the final bell. Spear of the week. Well, once again, somebody thought it was a good idea to park approximately a foot into my driveway all day long they could have positioned themselves anywhere else but but they thought it was a good idea to park a foot into my driveway now I'll be perfectly honest with you if I had my avalanche I had to just run right through the car that was in front of the driveway. Wouldn't have thought about it twice and moved on about my day. Instead, 
we've got a pretty nice little um, Telluride, and I'd rather not damage it on some idiot's car. So instead, I'll just back up, wait by the turnbuckle pad until they turn around to face me, and then spear right through them, right through their door, pushing them from the passenger side all the way out through the driver's side into the street. That seems like a fair enough thing to do to these people who do such ridiculous things. So, the Spear of the Week is the person who thought it was a good idea to park about a foot into my driveway. I had planned to talk about a different thing for this segment. However, I'm going to use that for another one. In fact, I'm going to use it for New Year's just to get you ready for that. But right now, I think it's been pretty cold here in Philadelphia the last couple days. Been in the 20s in the morning. And nothing feels better than being able to get up and take that nice warm shower to just sort of get yourself comfortable and ready for the day, feel the steam coming up and being relaxed, you know. Sometimes turn on a podcast or whatever, listen to some music while you're in there, and just sort of getting your day to begin. Or at night, say like right now it's about 9 o'clock at night, kind of cool again still, I mean, doesn't hurt to take a nice warm shower to relax away the day, you know, it's a good feeling, nice warm water coming off your shower, going down your toes, feel pretty good, right, then you take your time, and if you really want to, you can walk over to your room, wet and dripping, and dry off, and put on some pajamas, and go to sleep if it's nighttime, take out your work clothes, or whatever you're going to wear for the day if it's not. Now, if you're an inmate... You don't necessarily get to pick what time you get to take that shower. No. You have certain periods of time during the day. At the jail I worked at, there were two opportunities where you could shower in various points in the day. These times were called, as clear as it may sound, phones and shower time were the only thing and only reason that you as an inmate would be allowed out of your cell is to take a shower or use the phone. The other time that you would be able to do the shower thing would be during blockout time periods. Most of those take place in the afternoon. And you would be free to take a shower or to do other activities on the block. There is one other part. I forgot. If you do work 
in the kitchen or any of the other maintenance things that are floating around the jail, you're also guaranteed the opportunity to take a shower as long as it has been approved by your block officer and your boss being recognized that you are in fact an employee. Then when you get finished with your work and you come back to your block, you then have an opportunity to take a shower then. Let's face it, those opportunities are very few and very far between. And typically, on a smaller block, there's going to be as few as 42, uh, rather 64 to 60 guys on that block, all fighting to use six showers, as long as they're all operational. And on the larger blocks, it could be anywhere between 124 to about 100 guys on the block, all fighting to use 12 showers if they're all operational. The best part about the showers as an inmate is the fact that you definitely better make sure that you have a pair of shower shoes. 120 guys, all taking showers at different times. Foot fungus is a real thing. And my favorite thing that can happen from time to time, which isolates inmates in their cell for a several period, a period of time by the medical staff, is if you contract scabies from the shower. Just horrible. But that's what you get when you have to share a shower with, like I said, somewhere between 64 and 120 guys. And the showers are cleaned by some of the most, hmm, how can I say, dedicated working people you will ever find, other inmates. You get to rely on them to make sure that your shower is as clean as possible. Not a very good thing at all. Not a very good thing at all. So, to make a long story short, in order to avoid this nightmare that definitely will take place if you end up in a facility like the one I used to work at, the only thing I can tell you is, don't go to jail. Well, another episode is in the books. This was a very interesting one, like I said. I didn't really have a dedicated title to it. So, I'm probably just going to call it episode... December 2nd, or maybe just where it falls in its episode itself. I mean, this is, by the way, episode 132, I believe. <laughs> I still can't get over the fact, 132 episodes of this, and I'm still going crazy. It's amazing to me, it really is. And I've already planned out some episodes for next year, like I'd already said. I probably have... Some episodes that I'm doing at the end of March and April, all at the beginning of April, and episode 
the third year. I mean, I got that one already playing in my mind. Well, the same thing with the Christmas episode and the New Year's episode coming up in a couple of weeks. I think those will all be fun. Plus, I'm going to do another... Um, Oh, one of my favorite episodes, um, Factor Fiction. Going to do one or more of those this month. I think that'll be fun. I always love doing that. It's one of my favorite things. And I just got to get myself back in the rhythm again and post a few more reels and get some more uh, videos going for the YouTube channel, which is at Phil the Lip, and of course, we have our Facebook page, the Lip Facebook page. Join us, be part of it. There's always room for one more. After you join, there will be room for one more for somebody else. That's just the way we do it. Instagram, you can find me at Philip Henderson 5102. I think that I like to, to mess around on there as well. Um, again, on X, which used to be Twitter, uh, my original page is somewhere in the, the X verse, and I've created another one. Um, and I'm not even really sure how I did it or where it is. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm going to dig into it a little bit further to find out exactly what it is. And I'll let you know where I'm at. But as for now, I'm going to give you some words of wisdom. And then, <laughs> for lack of a better term, slam the door on this episode. Here we go. I've got some good words for you. I had to dig them up find out which one they were and you know without a doubt I think this one's going to make a shirt sooner rather than later absolutely should and if it doesn't it's because I'm stupid and didn't actually make it one when the opportunity presented itself so here the words of wisdom are and they're really not so much words of wisdom except for an explanation of some things at this point in time it's not as relevant as it would have been a few months ago. I had that nice long beard going if you saw any of my videos. But I've since shaved that down. But here are the words I've got for you. The reason I grew a long beard is because no hair grows on my head. Pretty self-explanatory, right? The reason I grew a long beard is because no hair grows on my head. Definitely see shirt potential there. And I also see potential for this episode to do pretty good. Once again, my name is Phil, and you've just listened to The Lip.